Hope is the thing with feathers. Hope is the thing with feathers. That's like a bird. Like a bird. That perches in the soul. That perches in the soul. Welcome to the Thing with Feathers podcast, a podcast about birds and hope. I'm your host, birding enthusiast, Courtney Ellis. Welcome back to the Thing with Feathers podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Ellis. We have with us today one of my favorite bird photographers on all of Twitter. She is a bird photographer. She has a wonderful photography store. And she's also, we're going to ask her about hand feeding birds. How in the world do you start doing that? It's amazing. We have with us today, Jocelyn Anderson. Hi, Courtney. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to talk with you about birds. I'm so happy to have you. You you truly are one of my favorite follows on Twitter, which is the best birding social media, I think. Twitter. Mm-hmm. I, it's, it fits. <laughs> it's right there in the name. It's right um, there in the name. So you, you take these fabulous bird photos. You're a photographer in Southeast Michigan. Um, I'm going to point people toward your website and, and all of your resources. One of my favorite things I came across when I was doing a little research for this podcast was your photo essay about the sandhill cranes that adopted an unlikely baby bird. Will you tell us about that? Oh, absolutely. That was absolutely incredible. So a couple of years ago, there was a Sandhill Cranes built a nest. This was in Kensington Metro Park uh, in southeastern Michigan. And the cranes had left the nest for a little bit. And some Canada geese decided to take the opportunity to lay an egg in the nest. So the cranes came back, chased away the geese, um, but the egg survived. And so this... Um, Canada goose got hatched along with a uh, a sandhill crane, and this was uh, in early May, and it was absolutely wonderful. It was incredibly fascinating. The National Audubon Society did an article on this very special family, saying they had never seen anything like it, and it was so interesting to see how the Canada goose would mimic the sandhill crane family. Like um, young sandhill cranes are called colts for their long legs. And you'd see the colt start to flap his wings or her wings, his or her wings to start to run around a little bit. And then the goose would do the same thing. And they would sit next to each other and do some aloe preening. So they would preen each other. And as the, the colt got bigger and bigger, so those legs are getting longer and longer. The the goose would have to sit down a lot because like those 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 shorter legs needed needed a rest. Um, so it was it was a very very sweet story. I don't I don't know if I should, I'll, I'll mention the ending because because people are gonna people are gonna wonder people are gonna ask. Um, so it does have a little bit of a sad ending. The the goose was found on um, a bush in a golf course, and so the goose had passed away. And I knew I remember seeing the family one afternoon, and there was no goose. 
and I, it was it was it was very very sad and very touching. But I, I am very grateful to have ex- experienced that family when when they were together and uh, the cult to grow up and you know he or she was able to um, migrate with their parents. But over, overall, the story was was very sweet and very touching and just so special to experience. And experiencing it through your photos, like I felt like I was part of that family. You catch, I don't know how (laughs) birds have facial expressions, but somehow they do and you capture them. How do you take a good bird photograph and how did you get started? Yeah. So, well, first of all, thank you. you. You are very kind. And it always makes, I just want to mention, it always makes me feel, it puts a big smile on my face when people comment on my photos. Like I don't respond to, there's a, I don't respond to, to, to the comments that often. Um, I do if I see a question, but I just want to like thank everyone for those, those comments and how they, they enjoy um, the photos. So I, I completely agree. They have expressions. They can communicate, uh, which I think is absolutely amazing. And I, I got into bird photography um, at Kensington Metro Park. And I used to do a lot of running. So I like a lot of running. I would run for 20 miles at that park. I would take the paved paths, not, not the nature trails where, where a lot of the birds like to hang out. And when you do that much running, you need, you should walk the next day, like get the blood flowing, like help recovery. And I was like, well, I should check out the nature trails. And so like I'm bopping around on the nature trails and I see this teeny tiny little bird, like just super quick and flitting around the bushes. And I've always loved nature. And I was like, what's this? There's something I've never seen before. And it was ruby crowned kinglet, which is quite the challenge to photograph. But I was like, if I just came to the trails and saw this little guy, what else am I missing? So I was like, well, if I'm walking around the nature trails, maybe I should take some photos. So uh, my family and um, my then boyfriend, now husband, got me a camera kit for um, my birthday. And a camera kit is um, camera body and a couple other lenses. So I took that out and absolutely fell in love with it. It's just, I love the ability like to focus on the birds. Like when I'm in, when I'm doing bird bird photography, like it doesn't matter what else is going on in the world in that moment, what's going on. You know, if there's other any stressors in my life just like fall away because I'm just like focused on the bird. The bird is living their life and I'm able to experience that. Um, so it's just something that I, I really love the mental place mm-hmm. that it puts me in and being able to capture those moments and then share them with other people. That's something that I just absolutely enjoy. It, it's such a wonderful experience. And transports you. Yes. Yes. That is a great word for that. Yeah. I think that's how I feel in looking at your photos because you do have this keen eye for what's interesting in a picture and how to frame something interestingly. And it makes me feel like I'm there and I'm a birder in Southern California, but I grew up in the Midwest. So I miss the blue jays and the cardinals and, you know, the book, the birds that I'm sure are so ordinary to you, we don't have out here. And so it's a, it's such a gift for me as a displaced Midwesterner in particular to like, oh, oh, I missed that bird. And, and she captured it so well. When was that, that you started, that you saw that kinglet and started your journey in photography? 
photography? Um, so that was seven years ago. So I feel like I am still like fairly new to the birding community because mm. like there's um, birders and just phenomenal. Like they've been doing this for 30, 40 years and they'll hear like this little chip off in the distance and they'll be like, that's such and such a bird. I'm like, I want to be like them one day. <laughs> It does feel like this superpower when you're with someone who's been birding for decades. It does. That is, yes, they have a superpower that one day, one day, hopefully (laughs) I will have got a few years to go, but like their wealth of knowledge of just like, this is the tree this bird likes. And oh, like the, the morning warbler, you'll find them like down low in shrubs. But if it's walking, it's a, you know, it's this bird. And it's just like, it's a, I love that knowledge. And I feel so fortunate um, here in Michigan, like the birders, they're so, so kind and so welcoming. I remember the first time I went to a local uh, Audubon walk, Washtenaw Audubon, phenomenal, phenomenal group. And I showed up and I'm the only one without binoculars. I have like this camera and I'm like, I wasn't sure how they were going to like react. Cause like, I was very conscious of like, there are photographers out there who are like, I'm going to do everything to get the photo. And I was like, you know, I respect birds and like, I want to be part of the group. And they were just so welcoming. Um, Mm. So I feel so fortunate to to have like the birding community is absolutely amazing. Mm. So great. Tell me a little bit about the ethics of bird photography, because I know that's something you're passionate about, and especially if it's a rare bird or it's a migratory bird, and like this is your one chance, the temptation to just trample through Everything to get that shot must be overwhelming. So what are the ethics around bird photography and how do you keep yourself from trampling? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for asking. So this is, um, it, it's, it's a tricky subject because there's areas of gray, right? Mm-hmm. So when I first started out, like I realized, like there's some things that are obvious. So like, don't throw stones at a red-tailed hawk to make it turn around to get a photo. Like I've seen that in parks. I'm like, you should you should know better. Like, but like, there's a question, how close is too close to an owl? And the answer to that question is, it depends. So Mm. a good, a good rule is if for, for owls in, in particular, because I get people love owl. I love owls. There's something like when you make eye contact, it's like a little bolt of electricity goes through you. Like they're incredible creatures. It's, what I've heard with owls is that if they start to react to you, you're too close. Interesting. Yeah. So uh, the ABA has a fantastic, um, on their website, some guidelines that I found very helpful because it's not pages and pages, but it's some things that you might not realize. And I have definitely made mistakes in the past. I know I'm going to make mistakes in the future, but it's helpful to be aware of certain things. Like, like one of the things I've seen that people just weren't aware of, and this happens a lot with so many smartphones around now, is calling in birds. So mm-hmm. especially during breeding season, you, you pull up the bird call on your phone. You know, the bird comes out. You're getting beautiful photos. And it's like, yeah, you got the photo, but at what cost to this bird? This bird might have been taking care of a little one. The little one's exposed right now. 
So I, but things like that, like how would you know you're starting birding and you see other people playing calls on your phones? Like, how do you know? So I always welcome gentle education. Like I know I have a lot to learn myself, um, but the ABA has some great guidelines. National Audubon has some great guidelines, like just to get, you know, a good baseline for what would be um, to help us enjoy the birds, but not stress out the birds. Mm. That's a, that's a really good turn of phrase that to enjoy them, but not stress them. And, and you're right that it does depend in part on the particular bird. Mm-hmm. Like for the most part a Canada goose does not care. Yes. Like they will, <laughs> they will bite your face off if you get too close. So that's on you. <laughs> that's, that's very true. Sometimes it's, yeah. Like the, the goose will let you know for sure. <laughs> Geese have their own code of ethics. And that's right. <laughs> that they follow. Off. Yeah. Back, back off lady. <laughs> So one of the other things that I love, one of the other reasons I love following you on social media is you have these just fascinating hand feeding videos. And sometimes parts of them are in slow motion. You'll usually say, you know, the, the woodpecker is going to grab the peanut at minute one one twelve, And so like, it's just, it's, it's so much fun. It's something that my kids have really enjoyed, especially the oh, slow great. motion because birds are so fast and you can enjoy them more. How did you start hand feeding? How can we start hand feeding? Is it ethical to hand feed birds? Yeah. So let's start out with the ethics question. And I always appreciate when, when people ask that question, cause it tells me like they are looking out for the birds first. So always appreciate it when someone asks, uh, there is, um, on the National Audubon website, if you search for feeding birds, they address this. And then Ken Kaufman also wrote an article recently about it. So it, it addresses this issue. And again, there, there is a little bit of gray area. The National Audubon Society mentions like, it's generally okay to hand feed a chickadee in a preserve, but if you're feeding say a scrub jay in Florida, which is an endangered species, that can cause some ethical issues. So those are two um, great resources there. And so for, for how I get started, and I'm laughing because it, it, it's, it's very easy at this park. So it's Kensington Metro Park in Milford, Michigan. People have been feeding birds there for at least 70 years, so decades and mm. decades. So you think about these generations of birds, the chickadees, the tufted tip mice, like they, they teach, you know, through, down through the generations that people will offer peanuts and um, suet nuggets. Those are a big fan, uh, a big hit with the, the downy woodpeckers. So all um, you need to do is just bring food and just walk around the trails. And it's, it's interesting in, in the winter, things get a little bit more, a little, little spicy at times because like I get out of my car and there's like, you know, 10, 15 little birds, just like they're ready. They're ready for the food. And in summer, I'll usually have to walk a mile, maybe two miles because the birds are, they're taking care of their young ones. They're nesting. There's plenty of other food available. So for, for people to get started, I have some suggestions on my website. So if someone wants to Google Jocelyn Anderson and then hand feeding, I have some suggestions. It's really, it, and it's, it's just, I feel like it would be a seasonal thing where like winter people, the, the birds are more looking are looking for food. 
and I some people have set up mannequins where it's like they dress them up in winter clothing. They got a glove on the mannequin and then, and then they are the mannequin. Um, so I have some suggestions there that have worked for other people uh, for them to, to try out. Or I highly suggest it, like if you're in the area, come on down to Kensington Metro Park. It's an amazing place, great birding. Um, so there's another option. <laughs> I think so far on the podcast, I've talked to birders, U.S., Canada, but I think we've had more Michigan birders than any state so far. Michigan oh, folks really? love birds. <laughs> we <Yeah>. do. We <laughs> really do. <laughs> and you're so well situated with the lakes. And I mean, you just get so many migratory birds. Like, it's a great spot for birding. Oh, it's fantastic. So we're in a flyway. So we get some good number of, of migrants coming through. There was a couple years ago where a storm rolled through and saw all the warblers that were migrating, which is just incredible. These tiny, beautiful little birds, just thousands of miles. The storm just had all the birds. They had somewhere they had, they had to land and they landed in this, in this area. And that was a couple years ago. Um, this, it wasn't as, um, action packed this year, but that's part of the beauty of birding. It's like, it's like a treasure hunt. It's like, what are you going to see today? And it's like, I think of it as going for a nice nature walk, like fresh air, sunshine. And if I see something that's awesome and sometimes, you know, I'll, I'll see a chickadee or a black or a red winged blackbird. And sometimes I see something really cool and that's like super, like you never, and I think that's part of, part of the joy of it. It's like, what will today bring? It's amazing. There's this element of whimsy, you know, yeah. and, and often if I'm going out specifically looking for a bird, I won't find it, but I'll see something else. And it's, mm -hmm. are you open to kind of what the birding world is going to put in your path? Are you ready to receive whatever it is you're going to be given? And, and I love that element of it. It stretches me. I like certainty. Birding mm -hmm. doesn't work that way. <laughs> That's true. That's true. And I am very much a planner. Like my day has to be this, this way. And then I'm this from this time. And then I'm doing this. And I think birding has been very helpful for to be like being accepting. Like I'm just going to go out and whatever nature decides to reveal to me that day, like that's what I'm going to enjoy. So that's, that's really helped me in that way. Mm. What would you say to someone who's interested in getting started in bird photography? I, I get a lot of requests on Twitter like, hey, Courtney, send me a photo of XYZ. And I'm like, first of all, I'm not a photographer. Second of all, all I have is an iPhone. Like, you don't want my pictures. And then I send them to be, I'm like, go check out Jocelyn's work. Go check out this birder's work because I, I don't have it. But for folks who want to get started, because birds are, I think, one of the most difficult things to photograph. They're small, they're fast, they're far away, they startle easily. How would you recommend someone to even begin yeah. So the, the first thing I would do is if you have a local camera shop or if you don't have a local one, um, finding one online and giving them a jingle because the camera shops will be phenomenal in getting you on the right track for cameras. So I shoot Nikon, but you really can't, you can't go wrong with Canon and so they're all phenomenal. Uh, but it's really, you know, what is your budget? And then there, there's so many different factors. Like how much do you want to hold? Do you want to use a tripod? Like what's your style of birding? Like mine is I, I tootle around on the trails. So I have a tripod and I use it maybe once a year at my home feeders. <laughs> so, and so it's like, I don't need to spend the money on a tripod, but like weight 
is an issue for me because I got I have these tiny little T-Rex arms and like with my heavier equipment, I'll just be there. I'll just be like, my little arms are shaking. Like I'm like, this is a workout as well. Like I'm thinking of it in that way. Um, so we're getting started and picking up camera gear. I would suggest talking to um, a local camera shop. Um, I got started with a camera kit on Amazon. Like that's a really good starting point. Um, it is very... It's a good challenge for sure. And that's why like they're small, they're fast. And so when you see the, the lenses that are just like, you know, four feet long, I mean, that's, that's like the serious gear, but I have had, um, with my, my, my camera kit, which is like starter kit, um, the National Audubon has used those photos. So I want to be very clear in that you do mm. not need the $20,000 camera gear to get a good photo. Like there's a quote that I really like that most people don't care what brush the artist used. <laughs> you can make phenomenal photos with any type of gear. But I do want to emphasize that it will... when I think of birding photographer, I think of opportunity. So if you have, let's say an iPhone, you're using your iPhone, you can get a great photo, but you're going to need that bird to be right next to you. So you you can, and like, if you have like the giant bazooka size lens, well, you're going to have more opportunities. So you you can, I just want to like, you, you don't need the expensive gear. Maybe you'll like it one day, but like for just getting started out, I, w- I would suggest like the, the iPhone because birds like to be a little bit of distance away. I would say like getting um, camera kit, a DSLR, maybe mirrorless. If you're feeling a little bit zesty about it, mm-hmm. love mirrorless, but you're, you're more financial investment. Um, but yeah, I would just like talk to people, talk to friends, talk to birders and that it's a great resource. Figure out and- what you need. And it's a really good gift for boyfriends, girlfriends, partners, right? That's how you you got started. Christmas is coming. Christmas is coming. That's right. Um, Like I said, he's now my husband. So like I made a smart choice there. Smart. Yep. It worked out. (laughs) It all worked out. (laughs) What is your favorite bird to photograph? And is it also your favorite bird in general? Oh my God. Okay. So... So my, let me start with the second part first, because like okay. I know the answer to that one. So my favorite bird is the tufted titmouse, and they are so adorable. They have those big dark eyes. They have that tuft that, like, when they're excited, they just pop it up, and they're they're pretty sassy. If I can tell a, a really quick story, I was photographing this nuthatch on a branch, and the nuthatch was watching me, and this tufty hopped up right behind him and yelled and the nuthatch fell off the branch and the tufty watched him fall. And I was like, that is so cheeky and so hilarious. (laughs) So love them. Love the tufties. And oh my goodness, favorite bird to photograph that. I don't know if I have one because I enjoy, like I'm thinking about like going about in the park it's really like, what's the, what's the bird that's like giving me the opportunity to photograph them? Like, I, I just love, I don't, I don't think I can pick. 
yeah, I think it would just have to be like whatever nature is offering me at that moment. Like, that's my favorite. (laughs) (laughs) I think that shows in your photography that there's, there's just real love and appreciation and honoring of the animal that's on the other side of your lens. Like you're trying to capture that titmouse in their in their titmouse-ness, right? Like right. the 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 platonic ideal of a titmouse. I man, I love those. I miss those. We have oak titmice out here and they're Aww. almost as cute, but not quite. Like there is something about that tufted titmouse that just is like off the Disney scale of birds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's the princess eyes. The big eyes. Yeah, I've seen an oak, an oak tufty, like my, I, I actually lived in Southern California for a little bit when I was a wee lass, but <laughs> I was not into birding as much. So one day I will have to go back and get, and get so many lifers. <laughs> Sounds amazing. It's, it's almost embarrassing. Just the, <laughs> the sheer amount of hummingbirds we have. Is <gasps> oh, they're almost so pretty. <laughs> so pretty. So when you're out and when you're taking pictures and when you're, you know, hauling the camera equipment with your little T-Rex arms, <laughs> that's right. Uh, what keeps you going back? So I would say that I just get so much joy out of it. It's something I enjoy doing. I enjoy the process, even if it's it helps. So Michigan winters, you're from the Midwest, so you know. So. In, Mich- in um, Michigan, well, also throughout the, the Midwest, we get our winter birds here. And that helps me get through the winter because I'm like, I'm only going to see the American tree sparrow, these adorable little sparrows for, you know, a few months. So let's get out. Let's enjoy that. Let's enjoy enjoy the dark-eyed juncos. So it, it has been incredible for mental health. Mm-hmm. Like I said, if there's so much going on, like – you get some bad news and it's like you go outside and you see, you know, chickadees raising their young. It's like, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Like, like enjoying nature. So just wonderful for the mental health, just being out there. Like even if the, if it's pouring rain, like I won't be out as long <laughs> if the weather is crummy, but even just getting out for a little bit is amazing. And I also really enjoy editing my photos. Like I will take on a typical outing, I'll go out anywhere from like two to three hours. I will get several thousand photos, which I feel like on the higher end and talking to other photographers, but I love, like some people do not, this is like, they will boop, boop, a couple photos and they're good. I love going through them, like figuring out like if mm. any of them turned out sometimes like if like two to 3000, if I can get like 10, mm. I'll be good because especially with action shots, you got swallows flying around, blue herons or great blue herons are fishing. Um, so I just, I just love the whole process, like being out there, being out in nature, getting some steps in and then editing. I enjoy it. So just like the whole process just makes me so happy. So I keep doing it. <laughs> That's why it makes me happy. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And the just the perseverance of that many photos to get to 10 good ones. Thank goodness it's digital. Can you imagine oh my- your budget on film development? <laughs> no, so I would not be a bird photographer. Like, th- like you say, thank goodness for digital because I would not be unless I, unless I get that winning Powerball ticket. Like I would not be doing bird photography. <laughs> not possible. <laughs> not possible. <laughs> So besides Southern California, what is your fantasy birding trip? Where do you absolutely want to go and take some pictures? So it's, 
It's interesting you ask that because I am such a homebody. Mm. Like I will travel and it, it's, it's because they're so like, there's such good birding places, 15 minutes from home. Like I have McGee Marsh an hour and a half from me mm. and I didn't go this year. <laughs> <laughs> Every year I'm like, I'm going to do it. But I'm like, or I can drive like 15 minutes to this park. So for traveling, I think I would like to go to Costa Rica. Like, I'm, mm. like it, I'm not much of a traveler, mm. but I feel like I see one of the things I love about social media is that this bird will pop up that I have never seen before. And I was like, wow, nature's, nature's amazing. So I think Costa Rica, I feel like it's close, close enough. So I wouldn't be stuck on a plane for, for too long. I love planes, but like being in little confined space for too long. I think, I think Costa Rica one Mm. day, I think that'd be amazing. I love it. I'm, I'm already looking forward to the photos. (laughs) (laughs) Might be a little ways off. (laughs) This summer, our family's taking a little road trip just around California. We have young kids and just the thought of getting them all on an airplane stresses me out. Like, so we're just going to take a little driving tour, but there was a moment I sat my husband down. I was like, instead of this, what if we go see birds in Costa Rica? And my husband is not a birder. And there was this long pause. And he was like, I love you. And I was like, okay, oh, right. maybe, maybe, maybe another time. It's it's like you've, you've planted that idea, though. So it's, it's aspirational. Right? There we go. There we go. Yep. Eventually, we'll have a major wedding anniversary. And that's going to be my... I think there you, this, is the, this is the moment. This but is the time. Costa Rica is top of my bucket list for oh, sure, for sure, amazing. for sure. It looks amazing. The biodiversity alone. Oh, incredible. Incredible. So Jocelyn, you spend a lot of time in nature, which for many birders means there's an element of grief as well. Like you see the changing of the seasons, you see the ways we trample the habitats, you see the ways. And in light of all of that, where are you finding hope? What continues to give you well, really just seeing, like I've mentioned, like the birds, I, I, I want to say surviving, but hmm. it's, it, it's more than that. So surviving, I think of like scraping, scraping by, but you, you know, with the warblers coming through, you know, they're heading up to their breeding grounds and I, you, they're just stunning birds and then they burst out into song and it's like there was some research done that like birds will sing it was originally thought that they sing to like you know obviously protect their territory um trying to attract the ladies but i read a couple years ago like they'll sing just just for joy like Mm. they're just loving their life and they they burst into song and i just absolutely I love that. I love just nature is so incredible. Like I'm learning things all the time. So it's, it's being a part of that, getting to experience that, you know, seeing these birds thriving and also being around amazing birders. Mm. It's like when you, when there's a, a rare bird and then, the excitement from that. We recently had a worm eating warbler, which I love that name, the worm eating warbler. <laughs> what do they eat? I'm curious. Yeah, I, I, well, <laughs> you may be surprised, <laughs> but it was, um, 
it was a bird I'd never seen before. And like, you know, worming and warblers, they're usually on the ground. This was in the tippy top of a tree. But like getting to see it, even for a brief moment, you're just like, wow, this is amazing. And then someone else comes around the corner. Is the bird still around? We're like, yeah, it's right up here. It's like, oh my goodness. So um, it, it's both like finding hope in in the joy of nature, but also from the joy of just being around other people experiencing the mm. joy in nature, like both those things, just like it, it makes me happy. It's just, it's just wonderful. Nature, mm. nature is just incredible. And I think birds are such a great unifier. Like even mm-hmm. people who aren't that into birds don't dislike birds, right? Like birds are yeah. this <laughs> wonderful unifier. And one of the things I love about this podcast is I have people from all over the country, all over, you know, we're, we're getting some international guests as well. And people from all walks of life, men and women, you know, Christians, Jews, atheists, and birds are this great unifier of they, they bring people together. And that moment on a hiking trail, when you walk by someone with binoculars and you can say, Hey, what did you see? Mm-hmm. And they light up and they get to tell you. And it, like, what a joy to be able to share that with people. I, it, it really, it really is. Like, like you say, there's the birds, the birds are everywhere, which I think is, I mean, even in a city, you got, you got pigeons. And I just read this amazing book about the life of pigeons. It was by, um, oh my goodness. Her name is Rosemary. Hmm. Um, but it was just, you, most people think of pigeons are like, oh, pigeons, like, you know, big, no, no big deal, but like, they're actually pretty incredible. And I love learning about that. Like, like the birds, the birds are everywhere and we can all enjoy them. And most birders like are delighted by a lifer, but they're also delighted by that pigeon that's eating a pizza crust in the that's subway right. it's tunnel. It's funny. For right? some reason, that's funny. It's like, I like pizza. Like, pigeon likes pizza. Like, I can relate to that. <laughs> totally. Totally. And the joy of knowing they're around every corner and they're in the mm-hmm. grocery store parking lot and yep. they're, you know, singing on the corner of the roof. And, and there's just, it feels like um, the poet Ross Gay has this book called The Book of Delights. And he says, when you start looking for delights, you develop this delight radar and you start to see more delights. And that's what birding feels like to me. Once I started noticing them, it was like, oh my, they're, they're everywhere. Yeah, that, that's perfect. It's kind of like with the ruby crown kinglet. I was like, oh my goodness, what else is there? I love that. The delight radar. That's fantastic. <laughs> what else have I been missing? <laughs> what else, what right? Else? Yeah. I need to be more aware. I need to be looking for this. Yeah, it's great. And I, and I love that perspective on it's not just a pigeon. Like the pigeon also can be its sort of delight. Our, our youngest, uh, our daughter is four and she knows I love birds. So she loves to point out every bird. And Aww. mostly we see crows. There are crows at her school. There are crows in the neighborhood, you know, and I just love that every single crow is this unique and exciting moment for her. I'm like, mommy, it is a bird. And I just hope she keeps that forever because we grow out of that so quickly. Yeah, that is, that is, I love, I love that. Crows are such fascinating and, and smart, smart birds. And I think birding is a great way to explore, I was going to say like childlike curiosity, but kids are so, I love how like they're exploring their curiosity. Like, why is this? How is this? And I think birding is a great avenue for that. It's like, okay, why does the pigeon build a nest with like, they'll put two sticks together and they'll be like, this is a good nest. It's like, 
well, why? And I'm like, I would love to know. And there's so much research that's still going into birds. I mean, there's, there's so much to learn. So I love, I love that curiosity. It's fantastic. It's a bottomless bowl of things. It's a bottomless <laughs> Yeah. That's great. Well, Jocelyn, where can people find you, connect with you, see your photos, see your videos? Yeah. So I am on um, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram under Jocelyn Anderson Photography. And then I also have a YouTube channel um, under the same name, Jocelyn Anderson Photography. Um, On my YouTube and a little bit on Facebook, I'm also doing underwater camera stuff now. So if if you're into fish and turtles... We're doing that now too, but for it's mostly birds. It's like ninety nine percent birds, but every once in a while you'll get you'll get like a turtle. <laughs> That's exciting. What's what's moved you into some underwater photography? I love a good turtle. Uh, who doesn't, right? <laughs> yeah. So again, it's it's about exploring nature. So I found there's this giant snapping turtle. I, I live on a on a on a lake, and I'm in a marshy. The backyard goes out into into marshy bit. And there was a snapping turtle that I saw on the end of my deck. Because usually I'm looking for birds. Like, are like red-winged blackbirds, shorebirds coming through? And I was like, I have a GoPro, and it's waterproof, so I should put it in the water. And it's been so interesting, like, all, like, like going back to the Ruby Cream Kinglet. It's like there's all this stuff that's, like, happening, like, right there. There's fishies going by. There's little turtles. There's big turtles. It's just, it's, it's a different world down there. So, you know, I'm looking at birds in the sky, looking at, looking into the water. I mean, it's just, there's so much, there's so much. It's amazing. It's amazing. That's exciting. It's, it's gotta be fun to explore kind of a whole new medium. Like water is this whole new element to a picture. It, yeah, it really, it really is. And so like, I, I stick a camera down there for like six and a half hours and then I'm going, I, I, I scrub through the footage to see if anything, um, interesting has come up. But again, it's like me with like going through photos. I'm like, is there anything? And then it's, I've, I've literally like jumped in my chair. Cause sometimes I'll be scrolling and it's like the sunlight and the water lilies. And it's like this beautiful view. And then all of a sudden there's like this giant fish in the frame and I'm like not expecting it. So I'll be like, Oh, but I'll be like, <laughs> that's going on my Facebook page and YouTube. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it's been fun. That's awesome. That's such a delight. Well, I'm so grateful to you for your time, for your wisdom, for the way that you are making the world a more beautiful place and and bringing us into the wilds of Michigan. So everyone check out Jocelyn, find her on social media, follow her on YouTube and learn how to feed the birds. That's what Mary Poppins says we should do, right? (laughs) That's right. Thank you so much, Courtney. This has been a real pleasure. The Thing with Feathers is produced by me, Courtney Ellis. Many thanks to Del Belcher for the music, to Todd Peterson for the name inspiration, and to Emily Dickinson for the beautiful poem and for being in the public domain. Until next time, my friends, keep looking up. Your soul. Yes, it does.